Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. Children's Sermon Part 2, or Redo, or Revisit, the destination defines the journey. We, we pack, we plan, we go. Where we're going defines our preparations. It even defines the route we take. It defines sometimes the thoughts we think. It inhabits our very being sometimes. If you're going on a particularly exciting trip or a long trip, life is a long trip. Life is a long trip going somewhere. Life's a long trip accompanied by the Trinity, accompanied by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, by Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, accompanied by loving God. Life is a trip from God to God. Life is a trip. It's not, it's not so much about now, not, I want to go beyond thinking we go to heaven when we die. I want us to say we are, we are inhabiting the journey right now. Like where we're going and what life's going to be like there. In a few moments, I'm going to read an extended passage from the book of Revelation. And we're going to talk about where we're going and some themes of what's going on there that actually are to be read back in to how we live. We pack our bags with things like peace and healing and light and hope and reconciliation and we're all there together and open arms and the gates will never be shut. We pack our bags with the things that are where we're going. God says don't wait till it's all over until we live like we are heaven bound. We're going to use a little bit of prophetic imagination this morning to borrow from Walter Brueggemann, scholar and, and, and author, Old Testament professor. Prophetic imagination to imagine, well, with John on the Isle of Patmos, some imaginations about what he saw. Now, in the gospel reading, Jesus is giving us words about, if you love me, you will do what I tell you you obey my commands i'm getting ready to leave but i'm not really leaving you the holy spirit is going to come he's not left us he will not forsake us but he says if you love me you'll basically be like me if you love me your journey will look like jesus we're living in the in-between times you see we're living in the in-between times, and the in-between times are hard, aren't they? They're frustrating. I think a part of the reason they're frustrating for us is that, is that we have glimpses. We have glimpses that the world, as God designed, is not a world where violence is to reign supreme, right? We have glimpses that 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 the world as God designs, humanity as God designs, is one big family. We're all related. We've all got a seat at the table. Jesus welcomes 
all. And yet we fight over who's in and who's out and all those kinds of things. Like, like we argue and we, we create arguments and we create schisms and we create splits and we create anger and we create, oh man, we divide. We'll, I mean, we color a carpet, we can argue about, you know, I mean, we're, we're bad. <laughs> we can't seem to get along and yet we're all going to the same place and we all came from the same place and we're all loved by the same God. We are seeking a vision that's big enough to be a healing vision for a broken world. We're seeking a vision of where we're going that allows us to encompass and to somehow embrace all of our messed upness and all the messed upness in the world. We're seeking a vision big enough that, that allows us to not push others away, but rather welcome them in. Jesus says, if you love me, it seemed that Jesus spent his entire ministry making it a point to welcome in those that everybody was trying to push away. Like He made a point to eat with tax collectors and sinners. He made a point to touch the leper. He made a point to tell stories even about the outcast being welcomed home. He made a point to eat with, fellowship with, welcome, speak with the woman at the well. He made a point to welcome in those that society, the culture, even the religion and church of his day sought to cast out. He had a prophetic imagination. Imagine a world that doesn't run on division. Imagine a world that doesn't run on division and deception and destruction. Imagine a world that runs on peace and nonviolence and love and grace and mercy. Imagine a world as the prophets imagine where swords are beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks and neither shall they learn of war anymore. We weep as we should over the war in Ukraine, but let's imagine and pray for that which is, we don't even think about solving our problems with violence anymore. Well, that's one thing to say when it's a war in another country, but how about when somebody wrongs us? How about when somebody yells at us? How about when somebody speaks ill of us we may not want to do physical violence but how many of us have some violent tendencies when when it gets personal hmm? we might need somebody to vent to somebody to kind of offshoot some of some of those feelings and emotions but but we got some violent tendencies even the most pacifistic among us but may we imagine a world that runs different violence only creates violent problems. So John is on the Isle of Patmos and he has a vision. And boy, does he have a vision. I mean, if you've read Revelation, Revelation is one of the most off misused, misquoted, misunderstood, distorted books. And I'm not going to bring clarity in one few minutes in a Sunday morning to you, but I'm going to try to at least nudge us that way. First off, the book of Revelation, it is written to a people who are oppressed by empire. 
Like they are under the thumb of empire. They're under the thumb of, it's really written, they're under the thumb of Rome and it's written after Jerusalem and the temple have been destroyed. People are hunkered down and they're afraid of empire. They're afraid of the power of the king. They're afraid of the power of the king's military. They're afraid of the power of the state. They are afraid of the power of a nation that's so big that it can impose its will upon anyone and everyone. Babylon is the language in Revelation for that empire. And as Tony Campolo has said, Tony Campolo has said, you know, Babylon is, an, is a symbol for empire in the book of Revelation. And empire is that which can impose its will on other nations. There may be some other empires in the, in the, in the world today, but we must humbly say that if that's the definition of empire, God bless us and help us. The United States is an empire. Now, Tony Campolo has said, now it may be the, the best empire, the best Babylon on the face of planet Earth, but it's still Babylon and it's still an empire imposing its will. I hope I didn't step too hard on our patriotic tendencies. We can be thankful to live where we live and still call us to account when we impose our will all at the same time. Well, anyway, Revelation is written to people who are under the thumb of an empire that has ill intent. And they're afraid. And, and people are investigating their mail and their writing. So one of the reasons, at least, that Revelation is written in such strange, apocalyptic, symbolic language. By the way, don't ever try to take it literally. Not literally. Stop. <laughs> it's written in such strange, symbolic language because, for one, they're trying to write it in code. They're also writing it in language they were familiar with. If you've read a little bit of Daniel and some other things in the Old Testament... And they're writing exaggerated language. They're writing language if somebody were to like intercept the mail, they'd go, what is this? And kind of let pass on through. But those who knew the language of apocalypse and apocalyptic language would go, oh, I'm starting to get this. Now, let me give you one of the keys to Revelation. Revelation is saying life is hard. You're going to be under oppression. There are going to be times when, when the empire is against you. Life is hard. The evil one even is going to be against you. But I know the future. God wins. Stay faithful to the end. Like, out of all of that, all of the stuff that you read and all the theories and all the books that have been written and all the trying to plug it all together, it is life is hard. There will be resistance. Sometimes it'll seem like things are falling apart, and it'll seem like all the bowls of wrath, it'll seem like things are happening, you know, all those things. But I know the future, God wins, stay faithful to the end. Now the end is where we pick up the story this morning. It's the destination. It's where we're going. And so I pick up in Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, where John on the Isle of Patmos is now writing, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. So there's no need for a temple because the presence of God is so pervasive that worship is everywhere, all kinds of everywhere. Like God's presence is everywhere, and, and the mercy seat is not needed, the temple's not needed. The, God's unleashed, God's presence is all-encompassing where we're going. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, 
Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp, lamp is the Lamb. Like, there's no darkness there because God is the God and the Lamb, Jesus, who was slain, who's demonstrating the love of God for all of us. That's where light comes from. There's no need for artificial light. By the way, there's no need to be afraid of the dark either. Like the things that happen at night, no need to be afraid because where we're going, there's going to be continually light. And the, nation will walk, the nations will walk by its light. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? Like if every nation on the face of planet Earth was walking under the, the presence and the authority of the light of God, if every nation, like every, ours and Russia and Ukraine and, and every every nation on the face of planet earth and their and their leadership and their citizenry were walking under the light of god bombs wouldn't fly walls wouldn't be built we wouldn't be trying to figure out who gets out and who comes in and by the way there's a little something about that here where we're going in revelation that says the gates will never be shut the door is always open the door is always open like we left the light on for you we left the light on for you. The doors, all, the, the doors will never be shut. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. The doors will never be shut by day, and you're thinking, okay, all right, but we got to lock the doors at night. No, there's no night there. The doors will never be shut. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. In other words, because the lamb who was slain, God who is the light, like where we're going is the nations are finally going to be answering to God. Kings, rulers, CEOs, presidents, billionaires are not going to run the day anymore where we're going. So why do we let them run the day like they now? Huh? And nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination, falsehood, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Water that's nourishing, water that's life-giving, water that's running through the middle of the city, like water that's giving what's needed. Water, of course... Rain, we've got to have rain, right? Farmers got to have rain. Water that's nourishing the soil. Water that's, that's making the plants grow. Water that's providing for the body and providing for food is running through the center of the city like that which everyone needs is right there. And all, either side of the river is the tree of life. The tree of life. We're, we're on a journey. Remember where we came from? God created and God created humanity and God created Adam and Eve and God called the creation of humanity very good. And, and you know, we had some mess ups along the way, didn't we? We've had some hiccups since then. But God created everything and called creation good and the creation of humanity very good. And God has been pursuing in pursuing love ever since to redeem. And now here we are at the end of the story, if you will, at the end of the book, and we got a tree again. 
We had the tree in the Garden of Eden and the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we just got the tree of life. And in between the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, it's in the book of Revelation, is the tree upon which Jesus died that makes it possible for all of us to live under the umbrella of the tree of life and the tree of life that has leaves for the healing of the nations. No, no more is there stuff that's going to harm us. And it's for a healing of all the nations. Like it's healing for everyone. Like if followers of Jesus, if you do, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. For the healing of the nations. Like we, we try to withhold goods. We try to withhold what we have. I don't, I don't know how many of you have seen the Black Panther movie, but in, in just real quickly, work with me a little Wakanda here, okay? And, and in, in the Black Panther Marvel movie, and, and they lived in Wakanda, and vibranium was their secret sauce. It was their secret thing. And, and, and vibranium was, it was strong, it was impenetrable, it was a resource only available in Wakanda, and Wakanda was trying to shield itself from the rest of the world because they had things good. It's like the river of life, if you will, was running through Wakanda, and they had what nobody else had, and they had so much, so much going on, they were living peacefully with, with each other, and the rest of the world was at it with one another. But, but when King T'Challa played by Chadwick Boseman, God rest his soul. When King T'Challa encounters some evil and darkness in the rest of the world, the Black Panther now decides, wait a minute, we have things that can offer the rest of the world. And the, and the thing at the end, at the very end, the movie's old enough, I can give spoilers, right? At the very, very end, like after the credits, and, and, and he's like at the United Nations. And they're like, what can a little country like Wakanda offer? And if you've seen the movie, you're like, oh, they have a lot to offer. They have a lot to offer. And his speech is, we can't keep what we have anymore. We can't keep it to ourselves anymore. We will risk sharing it with the world. In other words, to, to read a little bit, to play with the text and of, of the Black Panther. We have some stuff for the healing of the nations, and we can't keep it to ourselves anymore. The destination, define, the, the, the destination defines the journey. We're going to a place for the, where there's the healing of the nations. So why do we argue about nations? Why do we argue about ethnicities? Why do we argue about who's in and who's out? Why do we argue? Why do we? I mean, like, it's all about trying to isolate and protect ourselves. Wakanda decided they couldn't isolate and protect themselves anymore. And if where we're going is for the healing of the nations, then it's about all of us, like worldwide. The body of Christ is a transnational worldwide body about people who follow the crucified and risen Jesus. Did you hear that? A transglobal, transnational body. That's, so the cross is what define, defines and identifies, and we are here for the healing of the nations. We are on a journey to new creation. To new creation. The new heavens and new earth coming down out of heaven and envisioning a new and better world. Seeing, you know, like, what a wonderful world. I see leaves of green, you know, what a wonderful world, envisioning a better and wonderful world. But so often 
you got Christians who sound more angry and divisive than inclusive and loving and healing of the nations. Like we have the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. Nothing the curse will be found anymore. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They'll see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. No, they need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. They'll reign forever and ever. The destination defines the journey. The destination is about healing. It's about light. It's about bringing together. It's, it's, about, it's about the Lamb. It's about sacrificial love. It is, about, it is about a world that's not defined by division and deception and doesn't run on violence and doesn't run on war. It doesn't run on who's in and who's out. It runs on the doors. Their gates will never be shut. It is a radically, radically inclusive love of Christ that is where we're going. Radically, radically, like, like take your breath away radically. We might want to protest sometimes. But I heard this a while ago. Thomas Merton wrote about a vision of the proverbial St. Peter's Gate, you know, like, like the afterlife, you know, kind of that sorting out who's in and who's out. And, and people are all waiting, and they're waiting to find out their eternal forever destination. This is imaginative, okay? And Thomas Merton, monk, author, brilliant, deep, spirit-filled. And so he, he tells the story kind of this way, imagining. Says, so everybody's waiting in line. They're a little bit anxious, a little bit fretting about what the verdict's going to be. You know, eternity's a long time. <laughs> and suddenly Peter comes out and says, well, I've talked with Jesus. Jesus comes out and he, he speaks. Jesus says to the whole crowd, says, well, everything is forgiven. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. And then there were some in the crowd that went, what do you mean all is forgiven? Like, and start pointing fingers at other people in line. And Jesus said, well, I guess you decided you can't get in. We are on a journey of such radical love and forgiveness that until it takes us off guard, we maybe haven't quite grasped it yet. We maybe haven't quite grasped it yet. The destination defines the journey. The healing of the nations. Light, welcome, everyone has a seat at the table. What does it look like to walk that way in Ottawa, Kansas? What does it look like to walk that way at First Baptist Church, Ottawa, Kansas. What does it look like to declare that her gates, doors, will not be shut to anyone in Ottawa, Kansas? May it be so, because the Lamb says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And he said, Love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another.
may we be a place where the healing of the nations, the healing of lives, is an ongoing reality beyond our wildest dreams. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Oh God, in the name of Jesus the Christ, the Lamb who was slain, we, we ask that you would get us excited about where we're going and, and infuse where we're going into how we're living. God, may we find ourselves so overwhelmingly loved that we can't help but it spill over. May we find ourselves so welcome that we can't help but it spill over. Have your way with us as we seek to be on journey with you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 930 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www.fbcottawa.org.